Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast, episode 36. Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast, where we are building profitable food businesses, one product, one process, one thought at a time. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele. and welcome. I'm Dr. P and I'm doing a Facebook Live on the Durgo Food Safety page because we're doing some super fun and interesting things uh, around Durgo Food Safety and the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute this summer. And one of the things that we are doing is we are working less hard. I have a lot that I'm doing this summer. I'm speaking at a couple of conferences. I'm about to take my kid to Iceland for his 10th birthday. Um, And it's Maine, and we kind of want to chill a little bit. So in that vein, we're doing something different for the summer, and I just kind of want to see how it goes. Uh, So for those of you who are joining us on the Facebook Live, thank you so much. And for those of you who are joining us on the podcast, I am going to be doing um, the podcast as Facebook Lives, um, because we are going to actually be rolling out a new Facebook strategy. Believe it or not, even food safety consultants need Facebook strategies. Like, who would have thought? Uh, so anyway, we're rolling this strategy out. And as part of the strategy, I'm doing a few more lives and things like that. Um, and we're going to have lots and lots of good things to share with you. Tune in for the podcast next week. Uh, because it's going to be pretty awesome and epic. So what I will probably do is I will probably end up recording this at sometimes at random times. I may be able to set a, uh, a standard time to record the Facebook Live where I'll always be on here and um, recording the podcast. And um, I can also do this as an answering questions and things like that, because it's um, it's a pretty rad way to pretty rad way to talk to everybody. So anyway, so welcome. We are on episode 36 and today we are talking about FDA. Now, most people know me as Dr. Hassip and which is great because I write a lot of Hassip plans and I like writing Hassip plans and I'm good at them. Woohoo! Be careful what you get good at, my friends. You might have to write Hassip plans for a living, but don't worry. I got your back. Uh, so anyway, but today we're actually going to talk about FDA stuff because the FDA has um, kind of changed over a lot of what it's doing as a result of what's called the Food Safety Modernization Act. All right. And the Food Safety Modernization Act was signed in by Obama in 2011, and it has mm, by and large completely upended FDA regulated industries uh, in certain sections, but not in all the sections. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, This podcast is going to be available as a handout. So there's a link on um, uh, on the description, and you can go to www.sfbdi.com slash episode 36 to download the handout that's going to help you understand whether or not you um, need to register with the FDA and like what all FDA inspection entails. And then the other thing that we have linked on that page is, is if you do have to register with the FDA, 
then um, we you can just click through on the link um, and can go and register. You only have to register once, um, but that registration has to be like updated. You have to like re-sign in, you know, who's there kind of every year. So, which is not crazy, not terribly crazy to do. So, you know, we, I prepared this podcast and we have this guide um, because we want to help you guys understand what it means to be regulated by the Food and Drug Administration. And I just want to, you know, like we really help with this. You know, we have a ton of ways that we can help with this. But one of the best things that you can do is go join the power group, you know, because we've got all your logs and documentation templates and things like that. We've got a ton of ways to answer questions and really help you get up and um, get into your production in a legal manner, in a way that your customers really want. All right. And that's really important, right? We're all about building wealth and community through solving customer problems. All right, so when we talk about um, the FDA, the first question I always get is, is what types of business require FDA registration? And the truth is, is that most businesses that are regulated um, under the FDA are in what we call interstate commerce, because it is, after all, the, the, the Federal Food and Drug Administration. And that's produce and fish, juice, canned and processed foods, uh, and animal foods now. So there's a big change in FSMA under animal foods, and we've got some exciting things coming up in Q1 of next year around that. There are exceptions to this, which are, of course, meat and poultry and eggs, but um, shell eggs are regulated by the FDA, and broken eggs are regulated by the USDA. Isn't that fun? Uh, dairy products are all regulated by the FDA, but they're not all regulated under the same regulations, okay? Businesses that only have customers in a single state, such as restaurants and retail businesses, are typically regulated by your local health um, or state agricultural depart departments. Sometimes it's your county, but that really can be quite state dependent. Um, and despite what's going on with the farm bill, cannabis is not regulated by the FDA. It's illegal by the FDA. And then the other thing to keep in mind is that even if you are exempt from regulations under FSMA, you're still regulated by the FDA, okay? So even if you don't meet the FSMA thresholds, which a lot of you are like, well, I don't meet the FSMA thresholds. How can I be regulated by the FDA? Well, the truth is, is that thresholds are otherwise, if you sell food across state lines, if you sell food in wholesale, you're in some way regulated by the FDA, all right? So then what's the first step? Well, what you need to do is you need to register your facility with the FDA, and it's not a particularly involved process. The FDA mostly wants to know like who you are and where your facility is, and that's all around them acting quickly in the event of a foodborne illness outbreak, a bioterrorism incident, and then it also helps them tie things back to something called the reportable foods, reportable foods registry. Okay. So you've got to register your facility. It's fairly easy. Um, you can go find the link and click through at www.sfbdi.com slash podcast 36. Okay. 
And then that's the registration part. Like that puts you on FDA's radar. And if you're in any way regulated by the FDA, you've got to go do that. And it's really fairly simple. I've actually had people do it during an audit in like 15 minutes. So I promise it's totally not complicated. Okay, so then the next question is, is how do you set up an FDA compliant food safety system? Well, again, no matter whether or not you are regulated under the Food Safety Modernization Act and have like certain things that like you have to meet, like the preventive controls rule and you have to write a preventive controls plan. There are some things that you have to do because I promise you are regulated in some way. So the first thing that you're gonna have to do is record keeping, all right? Food businesses all must keep records of where their food has come from and where it goes to. We call that traceability. All purchases and sales need to generate this paper trail for this traceability because if there's a recall, then you need it, I promise. So ask yourself, who did I buy from and who did I sell to and how is that recorded? Is it recorded by lot number? Um, what did you buy? When was it delivered? The FDA, no matter your size, can request these at records at any time, okay? And I highly recommend you keep track of it by lot number. All right, so then the second thing is, and this is big, is good manufacturing practices, or GMPs, or as the, US, the FDA likes to say now, CGMPs. And CGMPs guarantee that the food is processed and handled in safe and sanitary conditions, okay? We like to say good manufacturing practices create the conditions to create safe food. So if you're doing your GMPs right, and most of you are, okay, then you're creating the conditions to create safe food. And you need to document that you've done that though, all right? And you've gotta document how your facility construction and upkeep, what you've done with personal personnel training and hygiene, storage and equipment design and maintenance. Okay, maintenance records, super important. So, and then there are other foods like eggs, um, milk, and, and some other things that have sp some specific GMP requirements. Okay, so you have to know what those are based on what your food is. And of course, if you have questions, just ping us, come onto the Facebook page, at we're Deergo Food Safety on Facebook and ping you know a question in this podcast on the on the Facebook page. All right, the next thing that we're going to talk about is labeling. All right, and labeling you have to approach with like your left brain and your right brain. <laughs> okay, so proper labeling is a critical element of the FDA oversight, and there are big food safety. Um, uh, and federal labeling requirements, especially around allergens and nutritional information. If you're small, you probably don't have to do nutritional labeling, but if your customer wants it, then you have to do it no matter what the FDA says. Um, and then of course there's identity standards. So, you know, you can't call something cheddar cheese just because you want to, it has to have gone through a cheddaring process. And the FDA, is super easy you know, for the FDA to hone in on your labeling uh, because it's like the first thing that they see, right? Then the other part of it is, so that's kind of the left brain part of it. And then the other part of it is, is your label has to carry your branding, right? 
And we're actually um, going to be having a webinar about this. So stay tuned um, to the podcast, to the Facebook page, and to your emails and things like that. And if you're not on our email list, come get on our email list. And um, because we're going to be doing a branding, like kind of like marrying up doing great branding and being FDA compliant because, you know, with great, without great branding, you're not going to sell anything. So FDA compliance doesn't really matter, right? Mm. Okay. So then the next question is what about like actual documented food safety planning, like HACCP or preventive controls? And the truth is, is that the FDA is a gigantic organization and they recognize a number of vaguely different schemes to control food safety during processing. And control is a very specific word. So those of y'all who have taken my meat and poultry HACCP class, they mean control in the same way as hazard analysis for critical control points, okay? Fish and fisheries products have a very specialized type of HACCP plan. Juice requires another kind of HACCP plan. Canned and acidified foods require uh, something called a, 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 a scheduled process. And that has to be verified by somebody who's a process authority. So somebody who has a PhD or something like that. We have a process authority that we work with. We work with both Cornell and a private process authority. So if you need that, get in touch with us. So, and then most other foods require what's called a preventive controls plan, which is modeled after HACCP, but uses some unique forms and some unique nomenclatures. And frankly, it's because the FDA said, oh, HACCP is what the USDA does. We can't call it HACCP. We're going to call it something else. So welcome to government bureaucracy, my friends. All of these plans share some common features. You've got to analyze your process and draw it out. You've got to figure out where things can go wrong that might make your customers sick. I mean, we don't want to do that, right? And to say that you have to obsessively document would be an understatement because you have to. You have to be able to prove that you're controlling for food safety hazards. And then you have to monitor and verify to make sure that your plan is working the way that it was that it was intended. Now, for those of you who are then going to ask me, do I even need a food safety plan? The, the truth is, is that even before the FDA gets around to reviewing your food safety plan, your customers are going to ask for it, okay? I work with people who have uh, a supply chain and those suppliers don't meet the threshold of a preventive controls plan, all right, which is $500,000. If you make more than $500,000 on that, you know, like on all of your food that falls under preventive controls, you need a preventive controls plan. But guess what? Uh, if you make any high risk food whatsoever, we are going to require you to write a preventive controls plan no matter what the FDA says. So the FDA says is that um, they demand evidence of food safety practices um, that meet or exceed government standards. But the, tr I mean, like dudes, it's less expensive to do things right from day one and just having what we ca we're calling an affidavit saying I don't have to do preventive controls planning, I control for food safety hazards, does not pass Dr. P for her clients. So if you wanna to sell to my clients, best write 
a preventive controls plan if you fall under the preventive controls rule. Best have a scheduled process if you fall under scheduled process or acidified canned foods, okay? I don't care what size you are. I care that hazards are controlled, okay? And hazards are independent of your total revenue, I promise, okay? So I know you are all mostly doing everything right. It is so much easier to prove that you're doing everything right by writing a preventive controls plan. Okay. And if you want to know how to do that, I have super great news that we are running a hundred percent online preventive controls plan starting on September 3rd. So we are doing that as part of a rollout over this summer of a whole like new, we beta tested some products and stuff this year. And we are, we are like doing a whole new um, set of products that are streamlined and easy to use. And the, um, the, program that we're running with first is 100% online preventive controls plan. Okay, so I'm going to teach you how to do it. All right, so then do you need to request an inspection? So you do all of this work. And then what? Well, the FDA won't inspect you very much. They certainly don't do an open the doors inspection the way the USDA does. And it all kind of depends on the risk of the product. So for example, baby formula or baby food, which people have come to me and said, hey, I'm gonna make baby food. Um, those are expected annually. Dairy farms are visited fairly regularly, usually under an agreement between your state ag department and the FDA. Um, but the FDA doesn't have enough full-time inspectors for you to be able to for you to get inspected the same way the USDA does. It's the funding mechanism isn't the same. It's just, there's nothing that's the same about it. The FDA keeps promising increased uh, inspection frequencies, but right now, unless you're a super high risk facility or you're on Commercial Street in Portland, Maine, or very close to Commercial Street in Portland, Maine, where the FDA has an office, um, nobody's getting inspected all that frequently, okay? And I'm talking like three or four years, okay? There is no approval process. They don't grant you approval. You've got to register. You've got to file your scheduled processes. But once you do that, you can start selling, okay? And that's really all that it is that goes into FDA inspections. And so go out and do it, folks. <laughs> what the heck is stopping you? So again, if you want to read, you know, like, spend some time like thinking about this and reading over it, get some links and things like that, download this handout. We have this um, podcast as a handout, sfbdi.com slash episode 36. And thank you so much. Everybody have a super beautiful week. It's going to be an amazing weekend here where uh, um, I am marching with Pride Portland uh, with the Western Maine Wellesley Club, and I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. All right. So look for me at Pride Portland. I will be wearing a red shirt that says Free Mom Hawks. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Hey there, if you're interested in taking this work deeper and applying it to grow and scale your organization, then I would love for you to join us in the power group. I will send you a copy for our summer read of creating a lean culture. And every week we're gonna dive deep into showing up to our process and showing up to our management so that we can serve up the truth, man. 
because that's what we're all about around here. We're going to have weekly calls and discussions around how you can make a better product and process in your facility. I would love to see you on the inside. Go to www.sfbdi.com slash power group. See you on the inside, folks. You've been listening to Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele on the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast. We hope you loved the show. For more information and show notes, please find us at sfbdi.com. Thanks for listening.